Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. From providing catering services for parties and special events to cooking for people with specific dietary needs. We talked to Jennifer Kumi of Grace Gourmet about the rise in popularity of personal chef services. Plus we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. They were once thought to be exclusive to the rich and famous or even Hollywood stars. We're talking personal chefs, providing tailored culinary services at people's homes alongside that other luxury of the wealthy, a personal trainer. But times have changed, and now the services of personal chefs are not just for those with money to burn. Jennifer Kumi is a personal chef and runs her company, Grace Gourmet, out of the quiet corner of the state and provides everything from home cooking for families to private dinner parties as well as backyard pop-up food trailers for those special events. I caught up with her recently doing what she loves best, being in the kitchen, preparing delicious food. Jennifer, thanks for inviting us into, I say it's your kitchen, actually, you said just before we started recording this that you are a chef without a restaurant. What does that mean? That is correct. I'm a chef by trade for over 20 years. I don't have a restaurant or my own personal kitchen. I come to your house or your venue and I do most of the cooking and serving there. We're going to get into that in just a minute, but we're just going to give a big old plug for where we are actually today because we're utilising their space and you're going to be doing some cooking. We're at the Inn at Woodstock Hill in Woodstock. Our gracious thanks to them for letting us come here today and interview you. And I know you do a lot of cooking here. So we said, you know, personal chef, you've been in this business for 20 years. You've done lots of restaurant work. What made you then decide... I'm going to do this for individuals. I'm going to come, as you said, I'm going to come to your house. You know, what suddenly made that change in your mind? In the restaurants, I always had a position where I was a lot, a lot of creativity and I would come up with daily specials. And it was important to me to make sure if you had food allergies or if you were vegans or people with special diets didn't just come in and have to have the salads or the side dishes, they could have a good food experience too. And, you know, it was, I got a lot of great feedback and then I just slowly started doing things on the side outside of the restaurants and it took off from there. Listeners will be interested to know because, you know, cooking is for everybody. I love cooking, but I'm not a trained uh, chef by any stretch of the imagination. What got you into it? Family. It was always a family thing. Growing up, we always did Sunday meatballs at grandma's. My mother made sure that she taught us all how to cook. It was just something, you know, when you're a kid, you want to help. You want to be a part of it. So instead of saying, get out of here, you say, well, if you're taller than the stove, you can cook on the stove. If you're shorter than the stove, you can chop. Can you remember the first time you actually were allowed in the kitchen to do something? Because, I mean, I think as kids, you know, most mums are like help their kids cook, like, you know, little cakes and all that sort of stuff. But can you remember the first time that you were actually unleashed on the kitchen and, and did something yourself? Well, some of my earliest memories are is my mother always made potatoes all the time. That was a staple 
in our house, and she would save leftover mashed potatoes so that I could make us potato pancakes the next day. And that was just something I came up with that I wanted to try. So she always made a couple extra potatoes. The next memory is of my grandmother making meatballs, and I thought it was disgusting that she put her hands in the meat. <laughs> but, um, you know, we didn't have plastic gloves. She's like, if you want meatballs, this is how you do it. And then I started to do meatballs with her. Other than, obviously, you know, your family, the interest coming from your family there, was there any sort of, like, influences at all in the in the chefs sort or, of, like, cooking world that sort of also helped to inspire you? Yeah, it's more of a passion for me. I mean, I have a lot of respect for everybody that does it professionally, and uh, maybe I'll be that famous level someday, but the biggest influences for me are people in my community, and people, like, I'll give another shout-out to the Vanilla Bean, the Jezerins. I always call them, like, my restaurant dads, because they're kind of full circle. They know the whole business back and forth, and I even still go to them now if I have business questions or things. Definitely just people close to me. Have things changed over the 20 years? I mean, obviously, you're not in a restaurant. You're, as you say, you've got your own business very successful it is too but I mean are you seeing some like constant changes in food trends and things I mean is this something that as a professional chef you have to keep up with the trend I guess it's a trend now that I'm I'm really passionate about is working with the local farmers and promoting the local food and for a while in the beginning people kind of shied away from the farmers thinking that was the more expensive thing but now we're working together and promoting it it's actually way better the price nowadays is beats the price in the grocery store so I, I kind of get a lot of I have a lot of fun and a lot of meaning to my work when I'm working with the farmers and we're out there kind of promoting each other and sharing about their lifestyle and the food that we eat yeah because farm to table is such a big thing now and and the other thing is and I often say this when I'm interviewing and I'm doing so like food related things is that so many people you know don't realize where their food comes from you know we just go to a supermarket we open up a chiller cabinet we either pull out a pre-done meal or you know we buy some ingredients with no thought as to where you know, they've come from, how they were grown, you know, the issues, the challenges behind all of that. You've got children yourself. Is it important to you as a mum and also as a chef to get your kids interested in their food more than obviously just popping it in their mouths? Yeah, it is important to me. I like them to know that we can't, we're not just going to the grocery store for stuff. And I like them to see the background, to know the people that are doing it. We see the farms. I mean, if I bring steak to your house I probably saw that cow a couple weeks ago in the pasture and I know the family that raises it and I know their processes from start to finish and I feel really good about it and I like that my kids know that too because it's it's educational so everybody's learning and we're having the best quality ingredients. Why are we so bad when it comes to cooking as well because it doesn't seem to be something that's really taught at school anymore is it? I mean many many years ago and I'm talking a hell of a lot of years ago (laughs) things like home economics and all that sort of stuff but that doesn't seem to be the case these days and it seems a shame because eating and cooking well is vital to our health and our well-being it's something that we have to do every day it's almost like a lost art now and i think just because our life is so busy and so everything's so instant and gotta go 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 but that's a really good thing for me with the prepared meals because that's farm to table so then people are still getting the good food i don't understand why it's such a disconnect because a lot of families that's a big part of how you get together at the end of the day and you get to spend your family time and talk about what you did in your lives away from each other it's definitely coming back people are definitely realizing that's important now and I think with more people are concerned about health these days than previously in the previous years. So I think people, and there's just a lot of knowledge out there and awareness of different processes. 
So I think people are kind of leaning towards, I know this is better for us, I know this is better for our bodies. It's even better for our community if we source here and get things and work together here. Now, of course, personal chefs are not new. They've been around for a while. But, I mean, many people will be listening to this going, oh, yeah, but it's for the rich and famous, which, of course, it isn't. I mean, obviously, there's levels of everything. You know, you could have a personal trainer at a gym and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, personal services can cost. But they are on the rise. I mean, we are seeing more and more personal chefs coming to the fore and providing services for the everyday person. Yeah, and I get that a lot, and it, it rubs me the wrong way because my clients, you know, we have a good relationship Everybody I work with, I have a good relationship. I would consider them a friend. And, you know, they might make more money than some of us, but they work just as hard as the rest of us. So, and it's all a matter of what is your value. If you value iced coffee on your drive to work every day, well, you're spending five bucks a day on that. It just depends what's what's most important to you. And people that are working very hard and trying to have live well and be happy and healthy and successful, nutrition is important to them and good food is important to them. So then they, they're happy to pay for that type of a service to make sure that their needs are met. Now, I had a look at your website, obviously, before I came here to do the interview with you. And it's a fabulous website. And obviously, we'll be giving a plug to that at the end of the interview. You have so many many different services we've got like the home cooking service here the full service personal chef private dinners i like this one romantic date night which i think is fabulous and then you've got backyard pop-up food trailer we're going to talk about that in a second a micro celebration vacation chef what's a micro celebration vacation chef a lot of people are doing more intimate like weddings or there's a lot of like ladies retreats bridal shower kind of things where they go away for the weekend and it's really popular now there's to get an Airbnb for the weekend and I get calls for that all the time and the, the last like the last day of their retreat I'll come and do like a big full course dinner for them. So yeah, something it's smaller and it's intimate and I can go with you depending. I haven't had that come up yet. It's been in the works with one person and I'm waiting to see, but mostly it's like local in Airbnbs and they plan the weekend and we plan the menu and we just create our own unique experience. Which is a great thing. I hadn't even thought about that because so many people do Airbnb and then, you know, don't necessarily know the area. So they don't know if there is going to be so like some good qualities like food around. So, I mean, that's just a great service. Yeah. I'm excited for it to be like, say, a family comes from out of town and they don't know anything and they don't want to waste their time. Usually one person has to do all of the packing the meals and making the breakfast and stuff. So I'm excited for that opportunity to come around one of these days where they just want somebody there to, to feed them while they're on vacation and they can just enjoy themselves and enjoy their time and, you know, leave, leave the stress and the work out of it. Now, talk to us about this backyard pop-up food trailer because this isn't a food truck. This is much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm very proud of my little blue trailer. <laughs> I always say it's don't group us with food trucks because it is a lot more elevated than that. And we, we built it ourselves, and it was just a, a retro 60s pop-up camper that we redid, and we put you know burnt wood trim on it and counters and a grill, and we serve all farm-to-table food out of it. We do small public events, but for private parties, I have a few different menus that we can choose from. And it's flexible, but we'll do like burgers, hot dogs, shaved steak. We can do like the nacho bar, the taco bar. We could do brunch buffets and we'll prepare it all and we serve it. We set up the outside and we have cute little walls with tables and linens and doilies and it's rustic and charming and I, I love it. And again, it's a great thing to do, especially if, say, 
you're all vegetarian or, or vegan because there's so many people now either deciding they want to eat a little bit less meat and maybe so like switch it up and down with different food types sort of thing so to have somebody that they've got there you know and they know that everything there is going to be good for everybody because that's not something you can always guarantee when you go to a party is it no it's 20 bags of chips one watermelon with no knife and a bunch of processed meat and white bread <laughs> things like veganism vegetarians or like even gluten-free i mean there's so much now that so like people have to be concerned about and you can't always find that even in some good quality restaurants as well so again being able to have a very personal service i mean things like celiac disease as well i mean you know people getting diagnosed with these things but again knowing that you've got somebody who is cooking good quality food for you so you can eat it is so important yeah we just did a, a bachelorette party up the road and the bride-to-be loves Indian food, and there was 12 of them in the group, and every single person had more than one food allergy. <laughs> but, um, but that's what I do, and that's what I like, because it's a challenge, and I can be creative. So I made gluten-free naan from scratch, and I rolled it out. I have a paisley rolling pin, so, you know, it's just flatbread, but it looks super special. And then I was just aware there was no nuts in anything, there was no dairy in anything and it was great and it's it's fun for me it's fun for them everyone loves it and then we interact the whole time too so it's it's great you have your own personal chef your own private restaurant in your home for the night yeah i mean that's incredible to have because being able to talk to a expert about the food that not only they're preparing for you but you are about to eat and to get you know some of that history behind it like you were saying that whole farm to table it's not something you get to do often. You can't go into a restaurant and do that, even if they've got an open kitchen. No, and that was one thing in the restaurants. That was a big part of why I was so excited to, that this was taking off and to push my business because people would be giving the waitresses messages to give me, but I could never actually go face to face and interact. And it would just be there would be the middle person between us because I was stuck on the line. So this way, we're doing a whole experience together. And then I have, I'll bring one or two of my kids to work with me so they're learning and they're interacting and everybody loves the whole family vibe. You know, it's a really good thing. What's some of your favorite things that you like to cook? I mean, that's probably a bit of a $64 million question asking yeah. a chef, frankly, isn't it? I know. That's, everybody asks that. I loved vegan food because there's the most colors and the most flavors. And is, there's the most room to grow and be creative. You know, you can get a really nice cut of meat and you can season it well and you can cook it perfectly it's still steak that tastes like steak with vegan thing like i was saying before like i made a creme brulee a creme brulee is eggs and dairy so to make it vegan and make it taste good is challenging and exciting and then just to make vegetables the main component on your dish as opposed to you have your protein and then a starch and then a veg to make like bright colorful flavorful things with vegetables and I've, I've heard a lot of times when people would say i wouldn't even believe this is vegan food it has like a stigma now to some people they're like oh vegan food but when you actually prepare something for it and they see it and smell it and taste it and then they love it and then you know i love when i win a picky eater over or a skeptic over too so uh, that's definitely fun for me and then I definitely lean towards Italian just from growing up and I definitely lean towards Spanish because I like the warm spices yeah, I was going to say they're good two good countries for food so, you know from the pasta and uh, as you say and also the spices I mean they're just they're just great so as we said we are in the kitchen with you and you are very kindly going to cook something for us apparently this is for who this is my family's dinner tonight I'm killing two birds with one stone <laughs> 
what are they going to have tonight? They're having marinated flank steak with chimichurri sauce and sautéed rainbow peppers. Sounds fabulous. So we're going to let you select start um, start cooking and chatting as we as we go along. So what have we got here in front of us that you have to, to get going on? So I'm going to smash some of this garlic in my mortar, and I'm going to use that in the chimichurri, and I'm going to use it in the sautéed vegetables. And the steaks I already have marinated, so I just need to sear them in a cast iron skillet. When I take the steaks out, I'm going to leave all the flavor in the pan and throw the vegetables in there and sauté them in the rest of the juice left over from the steak. And a chimichurri sauce, where's that from? Is that Spanish? Well, it's South American. I love chimichurri sauce. I had it all last summer on my vegan burgers on our trailer. And it's cilantro, oregano, parsley, garlic, lime juice, olive oil. It's just fresh and bright, and it's a lot of like good, clean flavor. It's It works good on anything. My mouth is watering while I stand here, so I'm going to let you sort of like, we're going to stand and watch and talk to you every now and again as you sort of like put all of this together so uh chef will let you get on with it all right so the garlic i already cut up a little bit so you just smash it with a knife i don't know if this is common knowledge but i like this part and it makes it easier to peel and you can chop it with a knife and you can put it in say like a ninja or something i'm Sometimes I'm really big on shortcuts, but I actually do love to mortar my garlic and salt and spices together. You know, it's funny, but it just feels like it ties me back to my roots. Like in a long time ago when people were cooking, they didn't use ninjas and they didn't use processors. So I kind of like to do it that way. You know, you're smashing it and making more of like a paste. So I guess it does make a, a little bit of difference in the texture and the way the flavors meld together because it's smoother. The other good thing, of course, is unlike putting it into a food processor, this is open and we can smell that lovely smell. Again, if only we had some like uh, smell that could go through the radio. It's just this gorgeous smell of, of this garlic as you sort of like puree it up in that pestle and mortar. I'll throw a little bit of oregano in here. I'll chop a little bit of the herbs and throw it in here and mix that around too. The chimney I will do in the blender. What herbs have we got here? I have oregano and parsley and cilantro. That's pretty much going to be consistent throughout the dish. <laughs> we might also say to the listener who uh, does not have the, the privilege of being here as uh, Chef Comey does her thing, it's all fresh herbs as well. Nothing wrong with dried herbs if you add a pinch, but fresh herbs clearly the better thing if you can get them. Yeah, I have a great advantage using this kitchen here because there are gardens all around out the back door and down in the yard, and I just have unlimited access to fresh herbs and fresh vegetables all the time. I love it. I take my little basket out there, and I just chop up what looks good to me and bring it in here and get to playing. Oh, we've got some vegetables coming over now. Yep. So the herbs were, uh, like I just said, they're local. I just picked them 10 minutes ago. And these garlic scapes that I've got at the farmer's market, I've had a lot of fun with them. I was putting them on vegetable skewers for a party last week, and it just had this, you know, dramatic look. And they taste really great grilled, too. It just tastes like garlic. And what are we chopping up now? So now I've got mini bell peppers, and I've got all different colors. And then I have one shoshito pepper. My family likes spicy. I'm a spice wimp. It burns my mouth. I enjoy the flavor for about one second, and then my taste buds scream at me, but I'm outnumbered, so we're going spicy. Color is super important to me. The way the dish, I mean, everybody's heard that you eat with your eyes first, and um, color, and even shapes, even the way that I'll cut the vegetables on an angle, the way I cut the onions, the way I cut the peppers, I just like the looks of it. 
it is very much art for me. I'm, I'm a creative person. I can draw and paint and make things, but I usually express myself with food. I pretty much cook every day, all day, every day of my life. I've got these flank steaks from um, Black Murph Farm up the road. There's a couple of farm stands and stores that I make farm-to-table prepared meals for. So I've been, for the Valleyside Woodstock Creamery, I made steak enchiladas with their flank steak, and it was a big hit. So then I made some with Blackmore's flank steak for the Alamode specialty food store that's just opened up, and that's really exciting. So there's a couple of different farms that have stands and stores that will sell Grace Gourmet prepared farm-to-table meals in. And then I'll buy a little extra for my house while I'm at it. Lucky them. And uh, we're now at the, the massive Great Big Industrial Stove here. And those flank steaks look like they're about to go in. So we'll let you uh, concentrate on the cooking. I marinated these last night. Just real light. I put some balsamic vinegar, some olive oil, lime juice, salt, and pepper. I like to pan sear it because it gets the crust. Grilled is really good too. But it's the one... if. If you treat it right, you let it sit in the marinade for a while, and then you sear it really hot, then when you slice it, it's, it falls apart. It becomes really tender. And it holds the flavor really well, too. Is one of the best ways when you're so like searing meat is to use like a cast iron, because I notice you're using cast iron, and I've always heard that like cast iron so like gets that heat up. Is that, would that be right? Yeah, cast iron's the best. I, we cook on cast iron most of the time at home, too. I like the way it holds the heat. I like the way that it sears crust on the meat. It has health benefits to cooking with cast iron as well. That's not why I do it. That's just a bonus. But I absolutely love to cook in cast iron pans. And then when these steaks are done searing, I'll, I'll take them out to rest in and I'll stick the vegetables in here to finish sauteing and cooking them in the juices that were left over. So it's going to be really tasty. So I'm taking the steaks off to rest. They're medium by now. And then there's all of the good juice still in here. They're not super fatty, but it's definitely a lot of flavor. And I'm putting in my rainbow peppers, my chopped up garlic scapes, um, my garlic and cilantro paste. And I'm just going to stir those around for a couple of minutes. I'll squeeze the lime at the end to hit it with a little bit of brightness. And, then, and that's going to be it. It's simple, but when you have the right foods, and especially fresh herbs and vegetables. You don't need to do a lot to make them taste good. So Jennifer, it's done for now. It smells absolutely amazing, looks incredible. Uh, obviously very lucky family to have uh, an incredible mum to start with and then secondly mum who's also a very incredible chef as well. It's been a great pleasure talking to you thank you for inviting us into the kitchen today letting us watch you cook telling us all about your services grace gourmet it is chef jennifer kumi thanks ever so much for being on the podcast yeah thank you i had a great time i'm glad we did this this is good for me too and now i know it's for dinner tonight so we're happy and to find out more about jennifer's personal chef services visit her website at gracegourmetct.com <music> Thank you.
It's hurricane season, and your trees can be damaged by high winds. Green Valley Tree has you covered with our emergency tree service outside of our regular business hours. We offer emergency tree service by bucket, crane, and climbing for residential, commercial, and even municipalities across eastern Connecticut. From full tree removals, uprooted or broken trees, to broken, hung up, or fractured tree limbs. Call our emergency hotline on 860-966-5710 or visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week, sponsored by... You may think you need to travel to large medical centers to get the latest cancer clinical trials. But at Eastern Connecticut Hematology and Oncology, or ECHO, we offer dozens of leading clinical trials, matching clinical trials to the needs of our patients and getting studies opened in just days, giving our patients the latest innovation in cancer care. To learn more about our cutting-edge research, visit echoassociates.org trials. As summer reaches its peak, Connecticut is working to keep seniors safe from intensifying heat. Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service has this report. Although summer can be fun, the rising temperatures can prove lethal. A recent study finds an average of 31 deaths are attributed to extreme heat during Connecticut summers. Nationally, a Duke University study finds death from excessive heat can reach as high as 12,000 per year. Nora Duncan with AARP Connecticut provides some tips about how seniors can remain cool and safe during the summer. Make sure you're drinking plenty of liquids, but not alcohol and not caffeine. Stay as cool as you can. Keep your living space cool by, if you don't have air conditioning, keeping your shades closed so that the sun doesn't get in, bringing in the cooler air from the evening and trying to trap it in your house. Cooling centers around the state will begin operating today since the forecast shows temperatures this week could range between 95 and 105 degrees. The state's extreme heat protocol is slated to end at 8 a.m. Sunday, July 30th. More information about cooling center locations is available by calling 211 or visiting 211ct.org. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. Elon Musk's Tesla car company is to start selling its vehicles to the public this fall from a state-of-the-art showroom based at the Mohegan Sun Resort. The move by the company sidesteps existing state laws that prohibit car manufacturers from selling directly to the public. The agreement with the Mohegan tribal nation takes advantage of the tribe's sovereignty status, which exempts them from state laws unless they have previously agreed to them. Tesla and state legislators have tried for a number of years to amend existing laws to allow electric vehicle manufacturers to sell directly to the public but have been unsuccessful, mainly because of pressure from the Connecticut Automotive Retail Association who wants to preserve the existing dealer franchise arrangement when it comes to selling cars to the public. Hayden Reynolds is the chairman of the association and said in a statement it was essential to strike a balance between respecting tribal sovereignty and maintaining a level playing field for all car dealerships in Connecticut. Reynolds added that this situation did not change the discussion about Tesla and other EV makers selling directly to the public and they continue to oppose that model and believe the Connecticut dealer franchise laws benefit consumers and provides a competitive marketplace. The announcement also came the same day that Governor Lamont unveiled plans to adopt clean air car and truck emission standards in the state to protect public health and promote development and require car manufacturers to deliver 100% electric vehicles in the state by 2035. 
Connecticut mums-to-be will soon have more choice as to where they have their baby delivered in the state. Governor Lamont has signed new legislation allowing freestanding birth centres to operate in Connecticut starting in 2024, serving as an alternative to traditional hospital maternity wards, which in some rural areas of the state are being closed down. Lamont said the new law is needed to fill geographical and financial gaps that often prevent patients receiving essential birthing care. The state's Department of Public Health, along with the Office of Health Strategy, will oversee the licensing of birth centres. A spokesperson for the Department of Public Health said that existing healthcare providers in Connecticut can apply to open a birth centre, but they would not be able to open it on their existing hospital campuses. Connecticut's Attorney General William Tong says he supports the efforts to expand access to safe licensed birthing centres, but they are not a replacement for traditional hospitals for high-risk pregnancies or for when unanticipated complications arise. Tong recently called on the Office of Health Strategy in the state to scrutinise the application of Johnson Memorial Hospital, owned by Trinity Health, to close its labour and delivery services department in Tolland County, saying a hard look at access to maternity health care in rural areas needs to be a priority. And Wesleyan University in Middletown will no longer take part in legacy admissions, the practice of favouring applicants whose parents or grandparents are alumni following nationwide pushback against the policy. Michael Roth, the president of Wesleyan, told the New York Times recently that it is an embarrassing fact for the applicant when the admissions office favours them because their relative graduated from the school. Roth also said he thinks most Wesleyan alumni will approve of the decision and want the school to be a place that doesn't give unearned privileges to applicants. Wesleyan joins other elite schools like Johns Hopkins and MIT in rejecting the practice. The end of legacy admissions at Wesleyan comes after the Supreme Court decision last month to end affirmative action, the practice of considering an applicant's race in college admissions. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East This Week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East This Week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Thank you for listening.